This is Hassan Akram, your host for Autonomous Vehicle Safety and Security Podcast, brought to you by Matrix. Welcome to Matrix Tech Talk. So today we have a very special guest who is uh, entirely from the IT security industry. Hassan Alshakarti, welcome to Matrix. Thank you. So Hassan has been working in this field of IT security for about 20, more than 20 years now. He has been honored with the title of Microsoft MVP. He is the senior security advisor at TrueSec, and he also goes by the name The Wolf. Mm -hmm. So Hassan, why don't you tell us something about your passion, your background, how did you get into the IT security field? So please. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a pleasure being here to start with. Uh, so I started basically my career as a developer. Uh, back in the days, it was to warp Novell Network Server on the same machine, did the client, the server uh, development work on, on that one. So like a very basic form of virtualization, maybe we can call it today. But from there, I took the step off to mobile networking, more of looking at other operating systems, Windows starting to grow, Linux starting to grow at that time. So I just took it off to network management, system management, and then soon I realized, hey, the internet is there. So there are a lot of issues with, as a matter of fact, I worked at the high school I studied at at that time. So uh, we, just to give you one, Quite funny story. I, we still we implemented the, the firewall at that place to protect other people from our students. <laughs> so that's how my curiosity about where security was going in the internet started, and started soon looking at how can we do to strengthen system security. What can we do to prevent uh, attackers from being able to, yeah, conduct whatever they want to do on our systems. And I just continue with that type of career. So today I work like very closely with our red team. I work more of a like second, third line type of support for them. I do a lot of work with incident response cases uh, type of thing. So customers having trouble with breaches, attacks. We go in, start analyzing, start pulling the threads and see where we're going. Mm -hmm. And then give them the ability to come back to, to their like working um, uh, business again. So I've seen a lot of things, everything from helping customer designing security strengthening their footprint in security, and then as well as trying to figure out what kind of breaches are possible or threats they, they might be able to, to be exposed to, etc. Fascinating, Hassan. You have uh, mentioned several interesting points. You know, people are connected to the internet, mm -hmm. something bad is going to happen. And today we're at the dawn of an era where our vehicles are connected to the yeah. internet. And whenever things get connected to the internet, mm -hmm. things happen. We've seen it in the uh, traditional PCs. We have seen it in the mobile devices. We've seen, seen it, we're now seeing it in the, in the, in the IOTs exactly. and vehicle. Mm. So being an insider of IT security for such a long time, how do you see such thing? Internet being in the car, connected mm. vehicle, autonomous driving, how do you see the industries perceiving it? Well, for me, it's a matter of, of exposure. So the more connectivity you have, the, the higher exposure level you will end up into. Mm. Back in the days, maybe if you had to have a wire connection in the, in the vehicle, 
mm. in that control bus or whatever we can call it to get hold of the ECUs, the different components, the, the parts in it. So as soon as you can start playing with them, talking to them, you can start looking at the protocols they are using. Uh, if there are any issues, any breaches, anything like that, and those protocols and the operating system implementations, and people will probably start finding about these and starting probably to exploit these if there is anything to win by exploiting them. But as said, when you do introduce other type of MISO networking, then you are basically expanding the type of exposure available. So with that, a lot of more people will have the ability to do the same thing. You don't need necessarily to be sitting in that car anymore or just beside that device. You can do it over the internet maybe. Um, uh, the same thing happens when, I mean, vehicles are already today connected to telemetry system, backend system of some sorts. So if somebody is in that backend system in a telemetry system, they can probably reach out to that car or that vehicle as well. So there are this, we are ending up in a situation where we have a lot of different attack vectors. I will call them attack vectors because they will probably get weaponized sooner or later. Somebody will find out something about something and that they will try to utilize that to do something. Like I, I personally believe that we're gonna, I don't know when, but maybe soon see the first ransomware case on a vehicle. Um, it's just a matter of why isn't that possible? Well, well, it's just another computerized system, right? If somebody can hijack the control over that vehicle and then demand the ransom for that to release that, that control, why isn't that, why isn't that possible? Mm -hmm. Just because it's a vehicle doesn't mean that it's not, nothing strange uh, about that. There is a computer system, if somebody can control that computer system, then we are, we are very much there. Uh, the same thing is we're just looking at the history, looking at the trends we have in the in the cybersecurity uh, uh, sector. We see a lot of these things going on right now. So ransomware attacks are higher than ever. Uh, crypto mining attacks, the same thing. There are a lot of things that people never thought they will end up into that's happening today in front of our eyes. So I just... As I, I told you, uh, uh, I just flew in uh, in the middle actually of, a, of an incident response case we have with one of our customers uh, in the Nordics. And they, over a night, they got all their systems encrypted. It's nothing fancy, it's, not, it's nothing diff strange, it's nothing special mm -hmm. anymore. We see this happening over and over again. So an attacker got hold of their one of their systems through a spear phishing, what we believe, and then in in a matter of two hours, all servers in that environment were encrypted. Hmm. So that that's all it took. So the whole business is suffering from that action, right? So imagine if that could happen uh, in uh, in the backend system for vehicles. In a telemetry system, uh, such way you can control what's going on on, on these vehicles, for instance. Mm. Or you can maybe cripple those vehicles one or other way. Mm. So you're making life difficult for whomever trying to use them um, uh, proper ways. So there are a lot of, as I said, attack vectors, every, ranging everything from phys having physical access to the vehicle, having maybe wireless access if you just happen to be nearby, close by it. Uh, I mean, we've seen reports from the Homeland Security about airplanes just last year 
they were telling us, hey, they, they, they actually found or they knew about their, it, they did know that there were software problems or problems existing in, in uh, avionic systems on some of the modern airplanes. But nobody almost believed that until they prove it. Mm. Okay, and then there were, was a lot of writing about it and there was a lot of buzz about it. So things are getting interconnected. Uh, like if we have a uh, look at the similarities between the avionic systems and the, the automotive systems. Uh, back in the days, we had to totally different systems for the avionic and the entertainment on board of the airplane. Today, these two systems are interconnected and there is a software firewall in between in oh, most of the oh. cases. So, well, what if a software issue exists mm. in that thing? <laughs> right. And somebody decided, hey, I, w I just want to go after that and see where we could, where we could go. Mm. Uh, so there are, there are a lot of, as I said, points we need to start really bother about really seriously. Mm. Uh, we cannot just say, hey, just because it's, well, what can you do with a vehicle? Well, you can still do a lot of interesting things. <laughs> it's not just a computer, it's a computer and wheel, obviously. It's a computer and wheel. <laughs> right. And, uh... so, and, the, and the bigger vehicle is, the mm. more damage you can cause. Mm. I mean, speaking about not just cyber threats, we're mm. speaking about physical threats in terms of uh, Somebody can control that thing to go somewhere else and do greater havoc and maybe just in traffic or in a city or something like that. You mentioned a com computer in a, uh, you know, in a wheel. Uh, this used to be the case. Now we're even calling it an app in a wheel because mm -hmm. we send updates. So exactly. things are getting more and more uh, dynamic, more and more volatile mm -hmm. and more risks are coming. Now that you laid down the um, the the ways, the possibilities are there to attack a car. Um, let me ask you this, this question that I get asked very often mm. in uh, conferences, automotive security conferences. Why would, you, would someone want to hack my car? Interesting questions. I guess we can have a lot of interesting answers to that one. Let's, I mean, if somebody is out there for the money in it, mm -hmm. yeah, well, hacking your car, getting hold of, interesting details about you, just the matter of tracking somebody, maybe. Mm. That's one thing. We bother a whole lot about privacy. Why shouldn't we bother about the same level of privacy in when we're sitting in a car? If somebody can track where we're going, how we're moving around. So that's really something very interesting. We see a lot of cases where data breaches is more or less about privacy. Uh, there are no credit cards to be stolen, but people know lot of interesting details about other and then they might use that to ransom something mm. right i know where you're going right now what if i told the world mm. that fact <laughs> <laughs> right so espionage on different levels doesn't need necessarily to be industrial espionage but per on person on a personal level that mm -hmm. that's one interesting thing another thing maybe a, a setup of ransom mm -hmm. uh okay i hijack your vehicle you will not be able to use it or i can I mean, we've seen this in the movies, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody losing control over the vehicle. And if it is controlled by wire, then we're already there, right? We're already there. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if, if the steering wheel is not the thing that is the one that making the decisions, it's just like a switch. Mm -hmm. So if somebody controls that ECU, that computer inside, so, and then just disabling the steering wheel. We've seen these things like going on with different cars. 
they can just make a turn, they can disable the brakes, they can just do this and that. So, um, so we have we can have serious, really, really serious issues if somebody just want to play a dirty game with whomever the owner of that car is, or maybe the manufacturer. They want to throw something bad on the reputation of the manufacturer, and mm. so that can really make their business maybe struggle with bad reputation, mm. etc. And then sales goes down, wherever it is. So a lot of different scenarios that does exist. So just because, well, it's just a car, what is it? What is it? Why is it so interesting? Mm. That doesn't invalidate the fact that it's something connected. It's something somebody can do something with, right? Mm. Um, and then what if that happens? What if mm. the bad guys all of a sudden start looking into that direction? And we are not doing anything about it mm. because we never thought it was the case. Fascinating. Mm. So why isn't it happening today at an at a scale that would mm -hmm. uh, make things more serious? Yeah, let's put it this way. Hackers or whomever are conducting these type of, of operations like ransomware, whatever type of espionage, there are a lot of easy to reach targets right now. So they will go after the easy to reach targets before they go after the, the hard ones. Uh, it's fairly automatic today to hack in somewhere. You find just a breach you know about and then everything will go more or less 100% automatically. So as I mentioned, an attack starting from nothing, then within a time frame of two hours, then the whole environment is taken down. Mm that's a lot of automation behind it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we, we have a high degree of automation on well-known systems. Mm -hmm. So as far as we have, like within quotes, coverage, the bad mm -hmm. guys can cover their living mm -hmm. <laughs> by attacking other systems and easier target, I guess they will not be so very much interesting in those other ones. Um, but we shouldn't forget about somebody with another valid reason. So there is an industry in the cyber criminality we're talking about today. But if we not consider that type of cyber criminal industry thing, uh, we consider those with other types of valid reasons why they should bother about hacking your car or your devices or your specific ones. I mean, we've seen IoT networks that has been hijacked because of software problems, and then they were using denial of service attacks and other type of attacks, right? Um, so why shouldn't we consider the same thing for these devices? Mm. And then start working on putting more proper security measures on them. So what you're saying is fascinating. So the cyber crime industry, if we may mm. call it, they have easier targets that they can make money mm -hmm. with right now and hence uh vehicle is not that interesting for them the moment they will they will put more more security measures or any any uh kind of safeguards mm -hmm. when those targets will be more difficult they'll look for other targets mm -hmm. um so we, we've seen we've seen now uh, more than i mean or let's say that it's starting to become the normal situation where the, the attackers are actually looking at your revenue. They are carefully 
designating a, a ransom that you know you can pay. They know you can pay it, you know you can pay it, exactly. So, and then in some of the cases, they're actually targeting you just in the right moment, just before you're finished with your report, if you're a listed company, for instance. So they know if that company will not be able to provide a report, then the, the share market will crash. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting to start observing that this thing is actually happening today. Mm. So they are carefully designating when the attack should be carried out. They've probably been there, studied the system. What we see, what we know today is that in most of the cases, when an attacker has been there, they have been there totally undiscovered for like months in some of the cases. So if they are there studying and looking around, seeing what's going on and observing what's going on. They, uh, even in some cases, they actually learn and mimic the, look, the admins on that network or the admins on those systems. And then they conduct their attacks so they are more or less 100% invisible in that system. Um, so just to take that one, that situation, and then just apply it on what we see going on in other type of industries. So let's say they, they are not probably interested in the personal situation, somebody owning a vehicle, but they might be interested in that manufacturer or in that company. Mm. <laughs> so what if we can target all the cars or some kind of telemetry system or something like that and put some pressure on that company? And then with a well-designated ransom or something like that, mm. they maybe pay. They won't lose anything. If they have a, a, a foothold in the system, they can always try it. Mm. Uh, we've, we've seen these things happening. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the largest breach in the United States, the Equifax breach. If you read the report that was published just a couple of months ago, the, the, the major statement in that report says everything was preventable. So the, the company got actually a um, heads up from um, about a vulnerability that was about to be published, mm -hmm. information about it. They got heads up about the an available patch. Um, although that, they didn't have the patch on one internet exposed system. And the attackers managed to use that internet exposed system to get hold of private records. Mm for the customers for the Equi Equifax. So why didn't they see what was going on? Well, simply because there was a, what the report tells at least, there was a, a monitoring system that was offline. Mm -hmm. As soon as they got that monitoring system offline, and that was like three or four months almost after the attack was carried out, they started seeing what, what was going on. So in many cases, when we step in and look at what was going on during a cyber attack, we, we are faced with the fact that the attackers had been there, they were doing whatever they were doing. In many of the cases, they don't care about being discovered because they know they will never be discovered. There is no proper monitoring going on here. But in those cases, they start seeing, oh, there is some monitoring, then they will start mimic and behave as the regular IT guys in that, in that environment. Mm -hmm. So the most critical thing is that they actually got that first foothold and they will start moving laterally within the environment and then do whatever their final target is. Mm. If it is deploying a ransomware or if it is 
doing industrial espionage or something like that, or yeah, exfiltrating, so exfiltration of data or, some, or, or anything. Uh, we know, I mean, there are some more interesting vehicles than others <laughs> out there. It's still the same type of manufacturers. They're still connected maybe to the same type of networks. Uh, uh, if not all time, maybe on special times, uh, whenever they are, yeah, performing maintenance or something like that, updating firmware. Uh, so why shouldn't that be very interesting? I mean, targeting vehicles for special, maybe governmental agencies, persons in the world, etc. So Hussain, uh, this is fascinating. You just gave us the economics of hacking mm -hmm. cars. So when I advise my customers, um, I tell them like here, here is the threat and risk analysis, the, the attack vector. And what we try to do is find out the cost for each attack mm -hmm. and the asset we're trying to protect. If the cost is more than the asset, we advise them this, the risk is low. Mm -hmm. Are we making a bad choice here or I mean this is in as you know when it comes to automotive industry mm -hmm. it's all about saving cost. Exactly. So there is a way to protect everything but mm -hmm. that's just not practical. It it's be. not going to mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. So how do you think is a pragmatic approach that we should take here? Well, well we do red teaming assignments mm -hmm. with our customers. We usually have or establish a matrix about uh, what kind of issues we've figured out exist in that system and how difficult it is to reach your designated goal using that vulnerability maybe. So we tried to make a judgment about the sophistication level required to achieve that thing. Um, so like, just to give you an example, you might be categorizing sophistication level as like, uh, this is uh, a script kitty, this is uh, an experienced hacker, this is um, a group of hackers or a group of individuals with certain ideology they want to achieve something so there will be cooperation between them in exception to something who is working alone and then we have at the at the end of that scale we have the nation state finance groups right so we've all heard about them they, they do exist we know that that's a fact uh, so depending on who you address your enemy will be who is interested in getting hold of that system or breaching that system. And then you know that what kind of like expected um, strength and monetary strength or strength in doing things, capabilities. So the, the, the higher sophistication level, the more costly it is, obviously. But if somebody is really interesting to, to breach that system, no matter what it takes, then we obviously have to, to deal with that risk, right? Let me just give you an, an example of that. So there was an operation called APT-10. Um, APT stands for Advanced Persistent Threat. Uh, and when we discover operations in the cybersecurity world, they will always get some kind of a number until we, they get some more fancier names. So that operation was renamed or they got the fancy name Cloudhopper. So the APT-10 group, they started their operation something between 2006, 2008. That's way off, right? Um, and then they, the, the final actions were taken 2017, 2018. So that group had actually, were actually active throughout, let's say, 10 years of time. And their target was what is believed to be uh, the, the defense industry in the, related to the United States or in the Western world as such. As a matter of fact, there is actually a 
a court case going on now in the United States against a set of individuals from China who believe to be uh, part of the APT-10 group, which all of them are believed to be uh, working for the Chinese government-ish, according to the papers from the court, at least from the United States. Um, so as I said, this group had an operational time of 10 years. They targeted very high profile type of industries. Uh, the papers, the report says they were actually into some of the NASA systems, uh, the proportion laboratories, and then other type of very important companies within the uh, aviation and other type of, of, of business areas. So they targeted the, um, the network providers and the and this service providers. So they hacked into these companies and the target was to hack the ultimate target. They know, okay, if I go after this company, I know they have an engagement with that one. So if I manage to hack into that one, I can reach that target I, I'm, I'm having or I'm designating my, as my ultimate target or ultimate goal. Um, so it took them 10 years. They actually did two different waves of attacks, but all in all, they, had, they were active in 10 years. And a lot of companies in the Western world were actually attacked by them, no matter if they were in, the, in that part of the industry or not. Sometimes they just um, exited on, on any kind of customer just to check what, was the, what that was. Just to give you an example, that these groups have a persistency. They, they do have time and sometimes they do have money enough to keep their operations going for as much as 10 years in time. So in this particular case, you will call them a nation state. That's a nation state. That's, That's a definitely nation state. a nation state. Mm -hmm. uh, they have all the types of re resources required to accomplish the goal. So whatever it takes, the time it takes is not of interest. So let, let them go. Let's, let's do this operation until we reach our final goals. Mm. And that's it. So you need to, to address and identify the vulnerabilities you have. You need to understand what kind of attack vectors you do have towards your systems. And then how difficult is it actually to conduct operations using that attack vector? If it is a physical one, okay, what does it take to have somebody physically accessing that vehicle. Okay, that's fairly easy probably then if, that's, if that means they can have total ownage of that vehicle, then we have a fairly high risk, right? So it's classic risk management. So you need to identify the valid attack vectors. You need to identify how difficult it is to breach that or use, using that vector. And then you need to understand who is interesting of that. Mm. And that's probably the last one is probably like a, some sort of a judgment or a guessing type of a thing. What do we think? What, who was interesting? Oh, let's see what kind of customers do we have? What kind of engagements do we have? Who do we sell our vehicles to? Who are buying these things or are interested in, the, in these things, etc. So once you put together that matrix, you will fairly soon see, okay, I need to do these type of investments. Mm. And that's what we try to make our customers understand then it's a, it's a very easy way to, to describe for C-level um, management or um, group management, whatever. Okay, this is, these are the type of risk we have. This is the type of investment we need to, to carry out. And then it's your decision whether to go or no go. <laughs> so that's an important thing in the economics of this. Mm -hmm. 
uh, try to figure out where are we at, what kind of investment is required. Mm -hmm. And if somebody says, well, no, that we, we are not, we will never be able to deal with nation state. I mean, when it comes to nation state, economics doesn't mm. matter. Mm. I mean, the equation I just gave you, okay, if your asset is mm. uh, less valuable than the cost of the attack, mm. then it's not interesting. When it yeah. comes to nation state, that statement does not hold. Mm. So the cost doesn't matter. What well, we, we can add actually, actually another axe on this. It mm -hmm. says, we see that what, what was judged to be a high sophistication level 10 years ago, it's not a high sophistication level today. There is an evolution in tooling, there is an evolution in the, the methodology, all of that. That helps to lower the sophistication level because you can do the same thing with much less experience, with just using automated tools maybe. So if you did like your investigation 10 years ago and made your judgment about things, you probably have to revisit that and then redo your calculations again because today it's a different story. What was impossible for five years ago, it's probably possible to do today with much less money. Mm. Uh, so all of the sudden methods that were used by nation state 10 years ago is something we see regular like solo type of actors are using today. Mm. Because things get widespread, things get big, tools are are being, I mean, distributed different ways. Just look at the NSA stuff, the leakage from there. And then the the issues we had with the WannaCry, mm. where some of these tools were used during the WannaCry incidents, right? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so if that was considered like this is nation state, this is way too high type of investment, mm -hmm. okay, all of a sudden it's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. Mm. Yeah. So anybody can use that tooling because the tools were distributed freely. Mm. <laughs> so it's fascinating. So the the Moore's law kind of a notion applies for mm. the bad guys as well. They're Absolutely. getting they're 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 getting equipped with new technology. They're getting more mm. sophisticated, and the cost of attack is getting less and less. Mm. Um, that brings me to a very interesting point. When we when we build a vehicle, yeah, when we build a system for a vehicle as a tier two company, we build the software for the vehicle. Mm. We think about a lifespan of twenty years. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really 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 long mm. lifespan mm. when it comes to anything today exactly yeah? and and in terms of uh, cybersecurity, um, it is it is way too long so the the idea is we're trying to trying to develop this over-the-air update of the software mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. kind of thing the problem is that is creating new ways to attack for the attack that's another attack vector that's another another attack vector mm. so um, at the same time we have to also look at the cost of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. How do you think pragmatically the industry should deal with the challenge? Well, I mean, we, we've seen this already with mainstream operating systems. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly the same story. Back in the days, or we still probably have some mainstream operating system that says, well, hey, we are not, we are invincible, like nobody <laughs> can touch us. Uh, that has been proven wrong, by the way, but <laughs> I guess somebody still have that kind of opinion somewhere. But uh, I mean, self made by man software, there will always be vulnerabilities. It's not question if, it's question when somebody finds out about them, right? So it takes a lot of uh, resources and costs to build really good software with, with few or almost no 
known vulnerabilities or possible vulnerabilities. I don't believe that you can build anything without those kind of vulnerabilities, but it's just a matter of, yeah, how much knowledge we have or how much persistency we have to figure out that there is a vulnerability actually in the system. And then as we observe mainstream operating system, we see huge investments being made, like take an operating system like Windows and look at the journey they've made starting with the Windows NT and then up till now with the Windows 10 and Windows Server 2019. Uh, that's a whole totally different story if you look at the, the investment in security in these two versions line. Uh, today, they, we are relying on hardware-based security. There are a lot of measures taken care of by the hardware. Hardware is there assisting and observing what's going on. Uh, we start talking about validation methods where the hardware will look at whatever is executing in software and hey, that looks valid, that doesn't look valid anymore. We know it shouldn't behave this way. Behavioral analysis are getting more and more into our systems. And the hardware itself will start doing or has started doing some, some of these behavioral analysis on, on the system. This is an, an improper execution path. Uh, that application shouldn't behave that way, for instance. Uh -huh. So we, I think we, we need, if we cannot cope with, like, if we think that, time is a problem and the type of investments I need to update the software it's probably impossible because that something is offline for too long time we need to start looking at more of a whitelisting model and say hey there is an execution path if you deviate from that we choose to terminate whatever that process is and then that will obviously get in conflict with okay if that was a self-driving capability then what happens <laughs> so we need to be able to flip back to manual mode and say, hey, tell the driver, okay, you're... You're in charge. We, we cannot assist you anymore. You have yeah. to drive the thing yourself, right? Yeah. So we need to put these kind of measures in place. Yeah. Uh, even though we have the ability to, we have a channel where we can push updates, there will be things coming across that and making possibly some devices impossible to update for some time. What kind of considerations should we have about that? Yeah. Is it just fine? I mean, just look at the WannaCry. Yeah. I just go back there and see, because yeah. that's a brilliant example of, there was a patch, yeah. but we had a lot of very critical systems out there that weren't patched because of different circumstances. Some of them were isolated, so they couldn't actually reach out to the patching channel. <laughs> so. And when somebody stepped into that isolated system, then they made a havoc. Oh. So how is that comparable with this type of industry? In this podcast show, we bring in the industry leaders and experts in the automotive domain to share their experiences along their journey. The mission of our podcast is to start a dialogue that will allow us to understand the development of automotive industry and where the automotive industry is going. You can ask questions to our guests directly. Just send us an email to podcast at matrix.de. We'll schedule a call with you during the recording and you'll be part of our show. Make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss any new episodes. Please share this video to help others get enlightened as well and that would mean a great deal to us. See you in the next episode.